From the Center for Strategic and International Studies, this is Citizens in Training, a podcast about the unlikely story of the United Arab Emirates military conscription program. This is the final episode of Citizens in Training. I'm John Alterman, a senior vice president here at CSIS, the Zbigniew Brzezinski Chair in Global Security and Geostrategy and director of the Middle East Program. And I'm Margot Balboni, a research associate in the Middle East Program. Over the course of our mini-series, we heard from some of the top Gulf, UAE, and military experts. They helped us consider the context and implications of the UAE's bold conscription experiment as a nation-building tool. Along the way, they weighed in on the ambitious goals of the program and what potential consequences could come out of it. We also talked about where the UAE fits into global debates on conscription. In the last episode, we heard NATO expert Elizabeth Bra compare the Emirati draft to some of Europe's current or recently reintroduced programs. She talked specifically about Finland's conscription model, which some may be surprised to know the UAE studied quite closely when building its own program. This week, we're delighted to welcome Dr. Stefan Hertog to the podcast. Stefan is an associate professor in comparative politics at the London School of Economics. He's a longtime observer of the Gulf and the political economy of the Middle East, and he's previously looked at Gulf militaries. We were keen to get his view of the UAE program through past precedents in the Gulf and where he thinks all of this may lead. Stefan describes how the UAE's conscription program could accelerate a broader effort to redefine the contract between citizens and the state. National service sends a message that citizenship is an active performance and not just an inheritance. As Stefan will tell us, this is a real shakeup of the message that citizens in Gulf countries have generally lived with until recently. Other Gulf states are closely watching the UAE's efforts to reframe this social contract. Stefan also raises important questions about the challenges that such efforts may face. I began by asking him how the UAE may be departing from the ways Gulf militaries relate to rulers and to societies. You've done some work in the past uh, on Gulf militaries. It's not like in the Levant where militaries have been at the core of government. What role have militaries played in governments in the Gulf in the last 50 or 100 years? So why they've been very large and really the, the best funded militaries in the whole Middle East and some of the countries like Saudi Arabia actually reached the highest per capita military spending of any country in the world for a couple of years. They never were uh, at the pinnacle of politics. They were always um, muted politically. Uh, they, they were materially privileged, but they never had access to the top tier of political decision making with very few exceptions. And, and that led to the fact that there was um, very significant corruption in the military. So it was used as a machinery of patronage, as a, a tool of paying off different players within the ruling families to kind of rebalance their collective rule after situations of crisis. And uh, that kind of dynamic then very much undermined the, the efficacy of those uh, apparatuses, which were much more used for distributional purposes, uh, to pay off certain members of the elites, and also to build alliances with countries from which uh, significant amounts of military kit were bought. Uh, but you know, as um, you outlined, at least in passing in your uh, report, that, that has very much changed in the UAE, which has aspired to becoming a very significant military power. We were certainly struck while researching how the military has infused this new sense of Emirati patriotism as the UAE grows more assertive regionally. And this is something that the government has strongly encouraged. A great example is the recent rise of a martyrdom culture in response to Emirati military deaths abroad. 
The government decreed Martyrs Day, which was later rebranded, at least in English, as Commemoration Day. There's now a huge monument dedicated to the fallen in Abu Dhabi, and leaders at the highest level make a point to personally pay their respects to the families of Emirati soldiers, visibly and publicly. And when it comes to national service, there has been a distinct effort to build the prestige of the military. We asked Stefan how this compares to perceptions of the military across the Gulf. Was being a soldier something that was respectable, something people aspired to? Was it just another job? How did being a soldier fit into all of this? Well, in, uh, it depends a bit on the country you talk about. Uh, in, in Saudi Arabia, it tended to be a kind of uh, second-tier career. So it was, it was rewarding, but it wasn't necessarily the most prestigious thing to do. There are other countries like Oman, which has a much stronger military uh, history and tradition because the ruler himself is a military man who went to Sandhurst and the country was really built through uh, a series of wars, including the civil war in Indofar in the 1970s. And then the, the UAE are somewhere in between. They weren't uh, very militarily focused under Sheikh Zayed, under the founding ruler, but uh, under the current de facto ruler, the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed. The military has gained a lot of prestige. He himself is a military man and he has a very military ethos from everything uh, we hear about him. And so it's become a, a much more prestigious body and also a body with very strong direct and indirect links to the rest of the economy and the rest of government in, in a way that you don't see it in the other Gulf countries. Stefan has rich insights into state society dynamics in the Gulf. I asked him how states are seeking to recast concepts of citizenship there and how we might understand the conscription drive in this light. Yeah, I, th I think you're, you're putting your finger on to a, a fundamental dynamic that the UAE leadership is trying to change. Uh, historically, the, the, the key link to the state was as a recipient of benefits and uh, the ambition of many people was to position themselves vis-a-vis -vis the state in a way that they can get access to state resources. And it was very much a kind of one-way relationship. Uh, and it was distribution that really defined citizenship and the, the allegiance to, to a system. The Abu Dhabi leadership and, and the Crown Prince in particular very explicitly uh, tried to re-engineer that kind of social bargain and try to define citizenship as something that comes with obligations uh, and where you know, pride in the nation is tied to uh, contributing in, in some kind of positive way. And, and, and in that case, uh, through conscription and contribution to national security, but also more broadly, they're trying to re-engineer the whole education system to make uh, a belief in meritocracy and hard work part of the citizenship ethos of the UAE. But if, given where they're coming from, obviously, they got a fairly uh, long way to go because they got a very, very deeply ensconced in a very generous distributional system. Certainly more favorable if you're from a richer emirate like Abu Dhabi than if you're from a place like Ras al-Khaimah, though. Yeah, that, that, that's quite right. Yeah, it's It's been easier to recruit people for uh, kind of lower tier security forces jobs from the poorer northern emirates. Have you heard people talking about citizenship in a different way in, in both the emirates? And I know you spent a lot of time in Saudi Arabia. You've spent time in, in other Gulf states. Is citizenship a word you're hearing? And does it mean something different now than it might have meant five years ago? Uh, I think that parts of the younger population have picked up parts of the rhetoric. I mean, there, there is, there's always been a fairly strong sense of patriotism in the Emirates. And uh, a lot of people are really very fond of their leaders. And uh, I think some of that uh, messaging from the government has really been internalized. Emirati males will soon be required to take part in military service. We owe this country a lot, and this is the right time to pay them back. I'd be more than proud to serve my country. It's a great opportunity to learn 
how to be disciplined even more, time management, situational awareness, and decision-making. I'm not sure whether that has really changed actual social practices in the sense that people now are harder working or have a stronger meritocratic uh, orientation in, in, in the way they actually behave. But I think the rhetoric has to some extent changed also in society. And do you think it's changed largely because of governmental initiatives? Do you think that some of the the rhetoric around citizenship that surrounded the Arab uprisings of 2011 and after has, has informed some of this? Yeah, I think it's had an impact. I mean, the the official messaging is omnipresent, right? It's, it's a very powerful state with a lot of control over the public sphere, over the media, uh, with a very tightly controlled education system. So they have a lot of means to reach out to people and, and pass on their messages. And uh, because it's a, it's a still fairly loyal and cohesive population, I, I think they're reasonably receptive to public messages. Do you think this is very different from other states in the Gulf? Um, I do think it's different from, say, Saudi Arabia, where you got a larger society that the state can't reach as comprehensively and well, where there's also a stronger history of you know, internal political and ideological pluralism and dissidence, and actually on the political level, more uh, historically more tolerance for, for uh, diverging views. Uh, I think the UAE have been running a tighter ship, uh, particularly under the leadership since, uh, since 2004. Do you see Saudi Arabia moving more toward that model under the the current government with the the new and, and more vigorous leadership, or do you think that uh, that just the the size and the diversity of Saudi Arabia will leave it quite distinct from the UAE in this kind of a experiment? I think it's definitely the aspiration, and it's quite clear that the current Saudi leadership has taken some uh, inspiration from the UAE or from Abu Dhabi in particular. I do think uh, the the resources. Uh, and the social complexity are just so different that uh, it'll be very, very difficult to replicate the uh, Abu Dhabi model in particular in Saudi Arabia. So that, that just much, much harder constraints. The Saudi state can't afford to be as generous, can't reach out to people in so many walks of life as uh, the, the, the Emirati authorities. As we discuss in the Citizens in Training report, Gauging the UAE's progress against the military and social aims of the conscription project is quite a challenge, given just how new this effort is. I asked Stefan what he looks for in terms of the program's impact and where we may see unexpected or unintended outcomes. Well, it's difficult to guess, but there is some uh, very interesting research from Calvert Jones, which you also cite in the report, who looked at uh, citizenship education and uh, kind of elite schools in the, the public sector and their impact on uh, Emiratis identification and meritocratic orientation. And it turned out that a lot of the rhetoric that was used in uh, those more selective elite state schools uh, actually didn't make Emiratis necessarily uh, harder working or more achievement oriented as it was meant to be, but it gave them even more of a sense that they were special and in some ways even more of a sense of entitlement. Uh, and you know, I can't predict whether this is also going to ha be happening with the military program, but certainly one important component is that people are being told quite a bit of, of, about how special they are as Emiratis. Our nation is precious. It's diverse, tolerant, forward-thinking. Every day, it gives us something to be proud of. Uh, and uh, they also have to go 
relatively soft on you know, the physical requirements of the military training, given that, as you cite, more than half of the population are, are obese or borderline obese when they get drafted. So we'll see how, um, on, on the one hand, the physical demands and the rigor of the program balance against uh, the, the rhetoric of national pride and could perhaps make particular males for whom the program is organized uh, even more uh, entitled on some level. Does this strike you as, as something that is likely to be sustained? My guess would be that there will be a more sustained effort because it's so close to the interests of the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi. Uh, it's so close to the key issue of national identity, which is really the, the, the fulcrum around which politics uh, revolves in the UAE. And if there's going to be any dissident, uh, any dissidents or any political crisis, then it is probably going to be about uh, national identity or trying to defend national identity uh, in, in a society where 90% of residents are foreigners and where a lot of nationals are, are unhappy with uh, the kind of loose uh, moors and, and parts of the public space that are a result of the, the strong expatriate presence. So I think that this, the consistent focus on defending or building national identity is, is going to continue um, because of the very strong focus on uh, military identity and military power under Mohammed bin Zayed, I think this will probably remain a high priority program, different from perhaps you know, other uh, large initiatives in renewable energy or biotechnology or whatever else they've, they've been trying over the last few years. Another important factor in the long-term outlook for national service will be the level of popular support for it within the UAE. How Emiratis perceive the program's legitimacy was a major question we considered when researching our report. The strategic environment the UAE finds itself in is certainly a part of that equation. We wanted to know how Stefan saw the strategic landscape shaping the debates over the social contract that really go to the heart of the National Service Project. I think especially when you send conscripts into a conflict, then that just has to be the case if the UAE wants to be a military player. There will be casualties and have been very large casualties in, in Yemen, as you point out in your report. There is the ambition to be you know, the, the Sparta of the Middle East and to be present in many theaters. Uh, I do think there is a significant share of the Emirati population that wonders whether the UAE has to get proactively involved in open conflicts around the region or whether the kind of more hands-off, cautious approach of the previous generation perhaps was at the end better for a small country like the UAE. That's a wrap on our conversation with Stefan and our final episode in our Citizens in Training podcast. We hope that this is the beginning and not the end of a conversation on this bold experiment. Whatever happens, the UAE and its neighbors will feel the effects of the goals it set and the path it's chosen to pursue them for a long time to come. A few thank yous are in order. First, I want to thank all of you, our listeners, for tuning in these past several weeks. I also wanted to thank all of the guests who lent their insights to this podcast. Greg Gauze, Kristen smith Duane. Callie Jones, Dave DeRoche, Elizabeth Bra, and Stefan Hertog. Each expert provided analysis that took our exploration of these issues further. I'm grateful for their time and wisdom. We're grateful to Yumi Araki and Ribka Gelemangsari in the Ideas Lab here at CSIS for producing these podcasts, along with Emily Grunwald in the Middle East program. And of course, thank you to my co-author and co-host in the studio, Margot Balboni. Thank you, John. I really enjoyed hearing from these experts and being a part of this report and podcast series along the way. You can find all the episodes John just referenced on the CSIS website or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Don't forget to subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. The full Citizens in Training report is also available online at csis.org slash UAE conscription. You can find it along with a two-page executive summary. For more analysis out of the Middle East program, you can check us out online at csis.org or follow us on Twitter at CSIS Mideast.